I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, you would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and where's my golden shower, Phyllis? (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and I bought this condo to fill with children. (laughs) Which is a line I only really appreciated this time seeing that episode for the thousandth time was how ridiculous and genius it is to say, I bought this condo to fill with children. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no shade to anyone who has a condo or a townhouse, um, but... It's it's ideal for max maybe like two people maybe right. like one like maybe your first child and then like once they're grown up you're like okay let's let's expand here yeah yeah nobody it's buys great. a condo saying great now it's going to be just filled with kids it's like you get married you buy a condo you have a baby there's a crib in the bedroom and then eventually you're like yes. all right we need to get a house you know yes 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 uh, I mean, what oh, do Michael I know <laughs> yeah I'm I'm totally out of my wheelhouse I know nothing about home ownership condos or having children so. <laughs> Come for me, America. Exactly. All this being said, uh, we are discussing Jan from The Office this week, played by Melora Hardin. Jan Levinson Gould, I presume. I presume. (laughs) It's one of my favorite lines. I I almost said it, but I couldn't like figure out how to work it into the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Melora Hardin. Sorry, I jumped over your line. No, no. Uh, Yeah, who is... uh, I I think Jan, the reason like I wanted to do this episode was because I feel like, you know, there's no shortage of podcasts talking about The Office. So I recognize that we're probably not covering any new ground. Um, We're no office ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thank God. But um, (laughs) enough on that. Yeah. but I feel like of all of the brilliance of The Office, one of the things I appreciate about it the most is the evolution of Jan throughout the se- the series. And yeah. I think more than any other character, like she just changes personas over and over and like evolves throughout the show. Yeah, it's really fun to see because I to, to start. A, I mean, I don't want to like bring the conversation to a screeching halt, but just like to, to kind of explain where I am with my. I guess like office knowledge, like I can totally keep up. I've seen at Mm -hmm. least five seasons of The Office. I have, I am one of the few Americans that have never done a rewatch ever. Wow. I know I am in the minority there and it's not. And I am also one, probably one of the few Americans that just like stopped in that sort of lull of like, I don't know what seasons, basically like the, the Kathy Bates, James Spader, mm-hmm. sort of Andy becoming manager era yep. of the office. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. I came back um, for the last like four episodes, like of the series and loved it. Um, but this made me miss it so much. Like I, I it's almost like 
I think the part I'm, I'm going to pull like a Colin Drucker here and, and, and say that like the reason why I probably didn't do the rewatch is because I felt like everyone else was doing it and I didn't want to be like one of those people that was just binge watching The Office like everyone else. Yes. I, yes. I didn't want to be like, I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. But I, I do love the show so much and this really made me miss the show. So who knows? Who knows what this will kind of spark within me to maybe start that rewatch and uh, and maybe fill in the blanks of those missing seasons. I think it's worth it. I I mean, obviously, you know, I am uh, I am from the camp that has rewatched it repeatedly. That yeah. can go to bed with it. That like just has that that deep relationship with it has strong feelings about how, where the show went once Michael left. And then by the last couple seasons, the only real reason to watch the office was Aaron. Yeah. Aaron is amazing. It unfortunately doesn't appear in any of the episodes we're talking about today, but uh, Ellie Kemper as Aaron is definitely the BSA of the latter half of the office. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think it's one of those shows that, and maybe this is why there's 7,000 podcasts and, you know, it was like probably Netflix's most watched show until, you know, it moved to Peacock, um, yes. is that there just is something to discover about it or rediscover or or appreciate in a new light, like with every rewatch, like the whole like buying a condo to fill with kids. Like I've probably oh, seen yeah. the, the dinner party a dozen times and that just like never registered to me. Uh, and I think that it's kind of like the comeback where every time I watch it, there's like a new little thing, a nuance, if you will, uh, that makes it feel fresh even if the rest of it i could pretty much like dictate while it's being you know performed you know exactly and i colin i cannot express my just in watching the first i don't even know 10 minutes of the first episode that you assigned me i was just there was a rage and a fury like i've never known at just like reminding myself that steve carell doesn't have an emmy for this show i know we've talked about it like ad nauseum at this point on this podcast and elsewhere but it really is the biggest tragedy in like comedic television history. I, I I can't even fathom how and like I know that Steve Carell is like a really well liked guy too. Like you would have think he would have been showered in Emmys. Right, right. You would have feel like felt like, you know, people just liked him and so it was like, oh, it, you know, Steve's a nice guy. Let's give him the award this year. It uh it is and I think in the three episodes we're talking about today, we do get to see not only, you know, sort of an example of of why Jan is, you know, the BSA of, of, you know, at least the first half of this, of the office. Um, but why Steve Carell is so brilliant in this role. Like I think, you know, not to jump all the way to the end, but there is that scene in the, in the last episode we're going to talk about today with Michael and Holly and it's where it gets like Uh, emotional. And I'm like, Oh, I know that's the dessert of this episode. I can't wait to talk about that moment. (laughs) It's so good. I can say I honestly I can say that like Jim Parsons was doing great work on the Big Bang Theory. Like I do think that he deserved an Emmy, like one Emmy for it, maybe Mm -hmm. two at most. Like I know like what a juggernaut that show was. And that, of course, CBC, CBC, (laughs) CBS has a lot of. uh you know, influence with the Emmys and like, it's all politics anyway. So it's, you know, all that aside, like, I do like Jim Parsons. I think like what he did on that show was like original. And um, I think he's a great comedic actor as well. But like Steve Carell was also doing the same stuff. It's like ignoring Veep for all six seasons or seven mm-hmm. seasons, however long it was on. I just, I, not even a Golden Globe, Colin? Was I know. He, did he get a Golden Globe? I don't and think may, Maybe a Blockbuster Award? I don't know. I maybe, can't. I, I, I hope. To know yeah. that that's, 
with Steve Car- no, obviously Steve Carell has moved on to bigger and much better things he's been nominated for like two Oscars at least one at Fo- least one yeah and mm-hmm. something else you probably got some recognition for the big short or something yeah, I can't remember what it was. I'll look it up as you talk. Ahead. Today, uh, much like we did with Bob's Burgers, we're going to be looking at three different episodes. But uh, instead of kind of each episode being a showcase of a different BSA, each of them kind of shows the evolution of Jan Levinson, um, previously Gould, throughout The Office, you know, I would say during the prime of The Office. So uh, we're going to be talking about season two, episode seven, The Client, uh, which is a real turning point in, in you know, how we see Jan and Jan's evolution with Michael. And then, of course, we're moving on to you really can't do an episode about The Office or about Jan without talking about season four, episode 13, The Dinner Party. Yes. Um, And then finally wrapping things up with season five, episode four, Baby Shower. Um, Mm -hmm. And I picked these because I felt like uh, we were seeing, you know, in the client, we obviously, you know, we see... Michael and Jan, you know, connecting outside the office and, and making out in the parking lot of a Chili's. The dinner party is just this incredible showcase of their of their disastrous marriage or not even marriage, just relationship. Um, and then the baby shower is sort of an interesting, I think, to me, like an epilogue, because after the dinner party, they break up. And I feel like the baby shower is kind of the last time we see like this new mom version of Jan who's, who's evolved from the candles, you know, serenity by Jan candles and has evolved from the boobs and has evolved from like, you know, the, the way we saw her in seasons one and two as like the corporate ice queen. And, and I think, you know, for Michael, it's like, she's evolved away from being, you know, uh, the love of his life. Like he realizes in the baby shower that, uh, she's not the one. So I figured that was a nice sort of bookend to their relationship to talk about. Yeah. Well said. Um, I did look up uh, Steve Carell. I almost said Michael Scott. Steve Carell was only nominated for uh, Foxcatcher actor in a leading role. He got some like golden globe love for like the big short battle of the sexes, the office multiple times. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, he did win a golden globe, Colin. He did. Oh, okay. All right. In 2006. I don't know okay. if that was the first season, but that was the first time he was uh, nominated for the Golden Globe. So, okay. I mean, I he feel has better a Golden now. Globe, but still, we need to do better. It's not enough. It's not it's enough. Not enough. I, feel, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just like an angry person on Twitter. I'm like, not good enough. Not enough. I'm still not <laughs> yes. happy. I want justice. Yes. Well, uh, so you've answered my first question of what your relationship with The Office is. It's a... Uh, the clear and present relationship, but not one you've revisited. Uh, yeah, repeatedly. like I could, I could keep up with the conversation of like your favorite favorite Office characters and probably get a few references, but I'm not going to be doing so well at like Office trivia night down mm-hmm. the street at the local bar. You know what I mean? I right. I don't know how many Dundies Michael Scott has, but I you know I know a lot of other things too. So right, but yeah, th- I, there is that whole that like later season slump. But um, I think like if I was, I love all the women. I love Kelly. Yeah. I love Aaron. I love Pam. Um, I love Michael. I love early Andy. Um, early like, Andy, I, I, yeah. yeah. Early mm-hmm. Andy is like, if you know, you know, which everyone does know. I, I, I just I I thought he was so funny, and honestly. I really love Angela. She like she's mm. in the dinner party. It's like I, <laughs> she makes me laugh really hard, and at least in the dinner party episode, and like uh, many many others as well. And I love that like sort of st- the storyline with Dwight and how they've evolved over time too. I, I love her. 
yeah there there were some moments in the dinner party where like she was there's yeah i mean we'll get to the dinner party, the I rose. Agree. yeah what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> or when when they're joking about you know i'm in hell i'm burning she's like don't joke about that i, I know i so love good. that um yeah i um you know, I I agree. I love the women. I've always loved Pam. I've always it's always been one of my mm-hmm. favorite TV characters. And you know, maybe maybe not a, a terribly polite or um, friendly opinion, but I feel like a lot of people share this. Is the the podcast office ladies did change my view a little bit of of Pam and Angela? <gasps> uh, because Ooh, I, that's hard. I know because I love. Pam and I've always appreciated Angela on the show, but I didn't really get into Office Ladies as a podcast. I just it didn't really click for me. I it wasn't what I was hoping it was going to be. Um, I I just I was like there. There's a weird there was a weird energy. Maybe it's changed. Maybe they found their footing, and I haven't really given them the chance to go back to it. But yeah, it just it, there was like a weird bickering quality about their banter. Oh. I was like. It always just seemed like Angela had a chip on her shoulder and like Jenna was like, okay. And I was like, why are you guys really fighting right now? Like what's going are you guys on? Really friends? Yeah. Is this a bit? Interesting. Um, did you, have you listened to office ladies? I haven't. I listened to an episode. I think I've talked about this on um, maybe squirrel friends or some other, maybe, I don't think it was this episode or this episode, this podcast. Um, I, this is crazy because I love, I love subdued Jenna Fisher, like as Pam, but when she's mm-hmm. like real Jenna Fisher, her voice is so grating. And I hate saying that. I hate that. It's like, it's really rude. But like, I was listening to an episode of her, like maybe on Mark Marin or something. And I just had to turn it off. I don't know if mm. maybe my volume was too loud on my headphones or something, but I was like, ugh. um, I don't know. I mean, so I, I never listen to Office Ladies. I know, like you said, there are like a thousand. I know that um, what's this? Uh, Brian Baumgartner, um, who plays Kevin, just mm-hmm. created his own uh, The Office Deep Dive. Um, really? Yeah. So that's interesting because wow. my brother, my brother loves Kevin. I feel like Kevin's like a really like straight dude. Like everyone loves him, but he mm-hmm. is good. Like he has uh, great one liners. Never oh, forget yeah. the chili. Yeah, Kevin uh, is like the best great. supporting actor of of The Office for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Um, well, and it's like, and and on that note, I I've it took me a very long time to appreciate Dwight and to find mm. Dwight funny. But like on multiple rewatches, I've come to like recognize how incredible that performance is and like how specific that character is. And it's like, like in I guess it was the. Um, baby shower episode when Jim's on the phone with Pam and she's at art school and he's like misunderstanding what she's saying and then Jim hangs up and Dwight just looks at him and goes who's Sarah Kaya Combs in and just the way that he says that is just so funny I love Dwight I I loved him from the beginning I also think I probably said this before that he should have had a best supporting actor Emmy as well like just like along the lines of like those are totally original characters like and obviously it has to do with the writing too but like he it's like michael richards is kramer or mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of like other just like yes yeah, steve carell is a star but you like you remember dwight like pretty right. vividly too like he's mm-hmm. someone that you kind of take with you when you watch the show uh i just there, i was watching a clip the other day on youtube where pam they were like Pam was calling Dwight from the office and Dwight was on the road in a car but with a bunch of people. And Pam was like, while you're out, can you get like Q-tips and something and something? 
and Pam and Dwight's like, shut up, Pam. Okay, you know I'm going to get all that stuff. So just, yes. Like, it's, yeah. I, it's like one of those like things. He's like talking about something else. He's like, Pam, shut up. I'm going to get that stuff. Anyway, um, it's and it's like just really nice. Well, Pam and Dwight have a great relationship on the show. Like they it's it's this lovely friendship that evolves. And there's even there's the one episode where he like uh, maybe it's the I don't maybe it's the the injury when Michael grills his foot and like Dwight races out of the office to go help him. And he crashes his car into a telephone pole and <laughs> uh, and then has a concussion. And then the whole episode, he's like super nice and like he's super friendly with Pam and uh, and he's like, oh, yes, you're my best I friend. I love that one. Yes. Yeah. And, I love Doofy Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then at the end, they're like taking him to the doctor and um, and he's like, oh, Pam, like uh, I've had such a nice day with you. And she's like, I know. I know. Like she's being very kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, like knowing that this is the like we're not going to see this version of Dwight again. And it's just a very yes. um, there's another scene later in the in the series when she's like, um, I think when when the offices merge and Karen and Jim are dating and Pam, I think something happens and Pam is like crying in the hallway somewhere and Dwight comes and sits with her and he puts his coat around her and, um, and you think it's this really tender moment. And then he says, I must be PMSing really bad right now, huh? <laughs> and it's so great, but it's so like, it's so lovely because they, I think they really do have a nice, like when push comes to shove, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll get the Q-tips. Of course I'm gonna get the Q-tips. Come on. You know? Yeah, uh, it's yeah, I that's there's so many different relationships like that on the show that I, I could just like queen out on because I think they are very specific, but not overplayed, you know? Yes, yes, yes. I, I love Dwight a lot. Uh, Rain uh, Wilson. Rain Wilson. Well, now that we've we've spread the love around, uh, let's let's dive into this. uh, uh Let's. This, I was called a Janisode, but you know what? I'm not really drinking coffee these days, so the best you're going to get, <laughs> folks, this week is Janisode, which sounds like genocide. <laughs> Janbury, how about that? That sounds great, a Janbury. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but like certainly the the focal point, the like, where did she win it? If we were to use that lens, the set piece for Jan is the dinner party. Um, yes. But I think. It works having the context of the client, and I think it's interesting having seen the dinner party to then see her in baby shower. Um, so we don't have to do like a deep dive on the client, but I, I wanted to add that in um, because I, I loved seeing – because up until that point, everything we see of Jan until they get to the chilies is everything we've seen of Jan in season one and up to that point in season two. Um, it's It's the same beats of her being – put off by Michael and, you know, being very short with him and not really like, you know, playing along to his beat. And I liked that then they get to the Chili's and they meet with um, Tim Meadows, uh, who's a, a potential client. And I think it's that moment when she introduces herself as just Jan Levinson. And then Michael's like, wait, no Gould? What happened to Gould? And, and the way that as the episode, you know, evolves we start to see like oh so this is who jan is like oh there's more to you and it's re and i just love this is the first time we get to see something more of jan other than her frustration with michael yeah it really is it's like part of me because i couldn't remember my office timeline here too this is uh, this is this the first episode we ever meet jan no she's I know that's in, like a that's a big yeah, ask there i don't know she's if you know, but 
uh, she's in a lot of like season one and into season two. Like, yeah, she. This is not the first time we see her. Yeah, we, we've okay. seen her a few times before. This is the first we really see her. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, it's the first we really see who Jan is. You know, got it. So I think uh, you know the first half of this episode in terms of Jan really kind of plays out as we expect. She's the the blocking of this is great because she's. Uh, she's in between Steve Carell and Tim Meadows and like is yes. is kind of like the like it's like a woman in business yeah yeah and and as uh and as it goes on and as more you know as the awesome blossom comes to the table and more margaritas come to the table I love how she kind of just like slumps in front of the margarita you know like yes. there's she she's sort of you know the the petulant teenage daughter you know out to dinner with her gay dads you know and <laughs> yes uh, but then it's, you know, I, we start to see kind of a, it's when they start playing truth or dare that then the conversation then shifts to Jan and like, so what happened with Gould? And uh, I think the idea was that she wanted kids and he didn't and she thought he would change. He thought she would change. And now here they are. And um and it's I there was something about that of like oh like this sort of there and and I think this is a through line that we see then obviously throughout the rest of the series with her is like oh underneath this you know corporate you know corporate bitch as someone might call her is this is someone who wants a family is someone who wants to you know have more than just this and um and I think that kind of explains why because I think that that would be the question of like why would Jan what would she see in Michael? Like, why would she want to like pursue anything with him other than like a drunken night of making out? And I think it's, um, this is our first hint of like how desperately she wants more, you know? Yeah. I, it's, I mean, Michael Scott, just to add to like the layers of him too. It's like he, if he wasn't so Michael Scott, he's a, he's a catch. Like Steve Carell is handsome. Like he has, like Michael Scott has a job, like when you do get that like small glimpse of when he lands the deal at the end, too, yep. it's like, oh, you're there's something really sexy about like the way that you like figure this out and uh, smarts are sexy, like and, and uh-huh. just like the way and like just being a good salesman and being good at your job, like and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it too, but like the way that she just like smiles like the Grinch at him almost, like. Oh, that's the moment. That's it really, is like, the moment. I'm sorry, I jumped to it. No, yeah. no, 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 no. We're we're there. We're there because okay, the, good, the good, client good. is is really this is just a this is just getting us started to talk about the dinner party. Like that's the reason I chose this episode was really for that moment when yes. they're they've moved to the bar. They've gotten to, now they're down to like beers and you know Michael's got yeah he's got his sleeves rolled up. You know he's uh and and he's you start to see like oh he's he's closing the deal and yeah. and Jan kind of starts to sit up and and starts to try to participate and he just like stops her and he yeah he starts to close the deal and she has this moment and i think this th- this moment is so important because this is where it all really starts for Jan and Michael is when she realizes like oh my god you're you're going to do it you're going to close this deal and you're going to do it your way and i, know. I think that that you could read into that so much like here is this and I've you know reading some of like what Melora Hardin has talked about in terms of the character of Jan she said you know Jan is someone she's seen as uh, a woman who as she's climbed the corporate ladder she's had to take on a more masculine energy and a more aggressive energy and um, to keep up and to not be seen as weaker and um, and I think 
what that includes is like you know obviously in this in a situation like this being in control and and not deferring to the regional manager or the man in the conversation and I think it was interesting to see Jan settle into oh it's so nice to have Michael take care of it you know yes. to have Michael to have this guy like as my teammate and I think that little moment there is almost like the most ideal version of the Jan and Michael relationship yes yeah and then they make out in the parking lot and then they go back to the hotel. I, I mean, I just love if there's one thing I really love about Michael is when he like hooks up with someone and he, you know, he just can't keep it in. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and and, so and, the, and the thing is, the hints that we've gotten from, you know, with certainly with Jan and then with Holly later in the series, like there's a there there's something in the dinner party episode about like Jan films their sex or he says somewhere like maybe it's in the women's appreciation day episode where he talks about how Jan films them so she can give him like yes, tips notes. and critiques yeah. notes on 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 performance but like there's a part of me that thinks that like there's probably a few things that Michael is like surprisingly really good at you know <laughs> yes like, yes yes there has to be something yeah yeah like there's just there, i that's what i love is that like michael you know we talk about like dwight the doofus but like there's michael the doofus but then it's like but what if michael the doofus is also like really good in bed at like yeah two like or three michael things. the dom top yeah <laughs> right 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 like you know he just never tires you know and yes yeah i think that's it's just a funny extra layer that i i mean you know i could spend this entire episode just talking about michael scott just oh, talking about yeah. steve corral because it's it's such a beautiful performance i mean it's it, it's there's so many great moments of just like real humanity but i love that in that mix is also like and michael's kind of like a tiger in the sack, you know? Yes. I I love that. I love that choice and uh I love imagining that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I'm not um, I'm not. Yeah, because he's a good looking guy. I mean Steve Carell's a really good looking guy. I think he's really he's very handsome. Oh um, yeah. So yes, like yes, when yes. when Michael's energy kind of matches that, I'm like, yeah. I'd go home with him after, you know, a few drinks at a Chili's too. Yes. Get that awesome blossom to go. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Extra awesome. Yeah, the next day I do love like that whole choice of him like making that call under the desk when Jan calls. Mm -hmm. I just like just like just the comedic timing of everything, and he's like the you familiarity. Know, one, of, one of our many fights. Oh, you want to yeah. see other people? Oh, only other people. You know what? I I think you're still drunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I love, even when the call starts, he's like, hi there, how's it going? Like, I love, oh he's just, it's like, oh, Michael, oh, no. It's, um, and I, it's so, I, the show is so brilliant because instead of it just harping on Michael's delusional attachment to this relationship, it then flips and then suddenly it's about, like, Jan's delusional attachment to this relationship. Yes. Um, one of the episodes I was going to choose was the cocktail party because that's really when, they they make the relationship kind of official and they announce it and um and there's this great kind of talking head with Jan outside where before they go into the house and um and I can't remember all of it completely but she's like well I mean what are my options like it's like she has a chance with Michael to have a real life um yeah I figured that was just a good little glimpse of of Jan in the relationship but I think oh, if yeah, we really perfect. want to talk about Jan and Michael in a relationship the dinner party is really where it's at let's i mean dinner is served well not served <laughs> it's not served yeah it's brazing for about three hours yeah yeah so colin what is it i, I guess 
I know it's like I feel people have like written papers on this episode at this point too. What is it about the dinner party that you feel is so one just like a really good like maybe first episode to for people to get there like at this point everyone has at least watched one episode of the office too but what makes it special for you i'd say uh, you know i think like i was reading some like you know oral history of the dinner party by like the writers and the actors and other folks involved and you know what they'd said was like like the original title of this episode or you know kind of the working title was you know who's afraid of jan levinson and and then it was this who's afraid of virginia wolf um kind of version of the office and they were kind of taking that influence of um you know pitting these hosts against their guests and having this disastrous yes. dinner party and i think that's what i love about it from the onset is i love who's afraid of virginia wolf i love disastrous dinner parties i love the idea of like putting four to six people in a living room and just seeing what happens. And yes, I think that this, like they did that, like they did all of that so perfectly and then captured just all of the uncomfortable awkwardness of going to someone's house for a dinner party, going to your boss's house for a dinner party. And I mean, just the, the nervous energy at the beginning of, of Jan saying like, should we do the tour first or the appetizers? And it's like, why are you doing a tour? Like why, like what it, it all feels so intense and like almost like you almost seem like satirical, but I also feel like, I think this is literally what a lot of dinner parties are like is all of that, that nervous energy in the foyer where everyone kind of tries to like figure out how to like navigate this new space together. And so I, I feel like the short answer is, the dinner party takes that a model of something that I love, takes it an Edward Albee inspiration and puts it into a, you know, a primetime sitcom. And I love that. But it also, I think, captures so much of the like social anxiety of being at a dinner party. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of wish they would have called it Who's Afraid of Jan Levinson. I right. Think that would have been a great title. But I... I get why they just said dinner party too, because but like maybe they didn't think that the reference would stick, but I mean it certainly did with us, and it would have uh, mm -hmm. or landed rather. Um, yeah, I. It's funny that you say that because every time we have new people over to our house, like Keon and I, like we're pretty good hosts, and I I love throwing like a dinner party or just like a get together too. So I tried. But there is always like taking off coats, tripping over stuff, and just mm -hmm. like, what, do you want a drink or what do you want? But like, we always do a tour. Do you? Do you really? Are you, oh, I always. Mean, well, I guess maybe it's weird to me because like living in New York, I mean, like my apartment now, I could maybe give a tour because yes. like there's two floors and like there's something to show. But I, I guess my experience has always been like just kind of gesturing with my hand like well here's the tour you know <laughs> there's marco, there's marco yeah right um i i think it is i think they are poking fun of it though like poking fun at like the the keons and the nicks of the world who are like let's do the tour but like our mm -hmm. house is kind of like a museum we have a lot of cool stuff so it's like fun to show people it's yeah. no way like uh, i don't know it's just i i want everyone to feel comfortable and like there is a little bit like I, I want to see people look at our weird stuff, if that makes sense. Right. I don't know. We have like a right. lot of art and like bits and baubles and stuff, and I just think it's fun. But I yeah, do there's think that, like, it is a little basic to do. You have it, that like I, blimpy I sign it. upstairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah blimpy sign, yes. Um, but I do, yeah, I, I do love a tour. I remember I was watching Emily in Paris, believe it or not. I can't believe I'm making this reference, oh. but there, she went to this winery or, or champagne production 
place. I don't know. And base, and it was like this huge, amazing house. And she was like, well, do I get a tour? And all the French people were like, no. And then someone said, like, it's very American to like to want mm. a tour of a house, which I just find fascinating. But yeah, tours are cool. I don't know. I'm team it, tour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, when I was in Pittsburgh, I enjoyed the tour of your house. Yeah. I, I gave you the tour the moment you came in. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even have appetizers yet. So I, <laughs> uh, I certainly appreciated it. It was just, I think in this scenario, it was like, it almost felt like these were, these were these kind of planned beats or planned, like, okay, we know we're going to give a tour. We'll know we'll do appetizers. Like you can feel the, the anxious oh, yes. planning. And then it's almost like they, they kind of, to put it frankly, they they blew the load too early. Like, okay, yes. tour appetizers. Like, like to me, it would have been like, come in, sit down. Would you like something to drink? Have a glass of wine, and then let's go do the tour. Yeah, yeah. Where instead it was like they barely got their coats off. It was like, come upstairs, come see the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, and it's all. I mean, what I love is like all of it being so on purpose and. And layered in all of that is all of the passive aggression, like Jan as, her, as she's leading them up the stairs, being like, "Oh, I have to apologize for this awful carpet." Like we're still, you know. And what it is is it's really like <laughs> I have to apologize for whatever is left of Michael's apartment yes. before I moved in and like redid it. And so like the digs are there from the very beginning, and I feel like I have, and not when I was at your house, but I have definitely been in those situations where it's like. Oh wow, this couple is like they're like sniping each other behind my back right now and in front of me at some points, you know. Yes. I feel like I've done it to Keon in like a playful way like here's all of Keon's like glass bottles that he loves. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know why, but like <laughs> Right. But I think that's like that makes me think of like when when Jim and Pam get there and 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 Pam is teasing Jim about how he set up her TiVo and then she didn't have audio for a yes, week. Yes, and there's yes. a smile between them. It's a cute little thing. Uh, I feel like it's like there's a healthy version of that where you can kind of tease each other about things. And yeah, then there's yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, then there's Michael and Jan. And yes. um, so they... Michael's so they, bed. Okay, so that's exactly <laughs> where I was headed. So they yeah, get to please. the bedroom. And I was reading about this. So when, they, I mean, so much of this episode, like the lore of... of of this episode is um, it just makes it all the more interesting because all of the actors talked about how hard it was to not break during these scenes and how many times they had to redo scenes because they just couldn't hold it together. And that this moment when they go to the bedroom and there's this little cot at the end of the bed and, uh, and so oh, what's that? It's like, Oh, that's my bed. And, and then like they talked about how, they're like, no, let's hold the shot where Michael climbs onto the bed and curls up in the fetal position. And Jan says, see, he fits perfectly. Uh, and then and the idea was just hold it. Just hold the shot until the actors break. And Ooh, I, I and so it. like I love watching it knowing that all of them, either the camera is, is, is a certain way where you can't see like Jenna Fisher breaking or like they've cut a scene a certain way and you know that like – a second before that or a second after that, that they all broke. Like, I love kind of knowing that that's on the fringes of these scenes, you know? Yeah. I will, I will say there, there is nothing like office bloopers. Like Mm. they are the cream of the crop. Yes. Like one of my go-tos, if I just need like a good laugh, like what seasons that I've seen like many, many times of the, like the bloopers of season two, like the earlier ones are just great. I love bloopers in general, but especially Mm -hmm. with this, because I just feel like there's, like anytime Michael and Dwight are together and oh, like just God. die, yeah. like I I love it. So 
Yeah, because that could have easily been like a joke on the tour. Like, here's my bed, and everyone could have been like, ha, 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 ha. But it actually is his bed, which makes it even better. Right, right. And they just like lean into that. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, the tour continues to, or maybe this is before or after, but uh, visiting not only Jan's office, but where Jan makes her candles. And that, oh. you know, I would say infamous line of, you know, whenever I'm frustrated or, or you know, the world gets to me and I, or I'm angry, I just come up here and I smell all my candles. <laughs> and just the delivery of that, the wide eyes, and I just smell all my candles is, I mean, one of the things they were talking about in the article that I read is that, you know, Melora Hardin didn't come to the office with a lot of comedy or improv experience and, you know, obviously was up against a bunch of actors who did have a lot of comedy and improv experience and her role was meant to be kind of, you know, the straight man to Michael Scott and to anything else going on in the show. And then as it evolved, like she was given the opportunity to be a funnier character, you know, have more jokes and not just be reactionary. And I feel like this, even again, this episode is, I mean, she is, she is incredible. She's so fucking funny in this episode and so intense. It's, uh, I just I, I hope people are singing her praises as much as they sing the praises of the dinner party as an episode, like singing the praises of Melora Hardin in this because she's like fantastic. It's just oh yeah, the so frustration good. and like every like just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets like three times worse. And she is just as much a part of that as Steve Carell because they mm-hmm. have to kind of be at the same level, if not her a little bit more so. I will say that that candle room is like my worst nightmare because I, unfortunately, am one of those people that can't do scented candles anymore. They bug my nose. I'm like that lady at the office that like, who has perfume on? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I hate that because I really do love candles. I love a good like pumpkin spice, but I, it has to be something like either like clean linen or like a soft vanilla. I can't do like pine or like something musty or mm-hmm. ugh, gosh it's it's too much i don't know how and you feel about them i i don't mind candles but i you know uh i would probably lean towards like a i don't know um i don't want like a floral smell you know like i don't want something Same. that's gonna you know i don't want to smell like ann ethel's you know uh <laughs> apartment you know but i yeah i don't i think that this that this candle room makes me think of walking into a Yankee candle store, which is yeah, certainly my same. nightmare. I think, like, I don't understand how people work in a Yankee candle store. I don't either. Allergies or no, it's just too much. It's just too much. It's just, <laughs> it's like when they're in that room, I, yeah, I'm Merrill against the dishwasher. I'm like, oh, get yes. me out of this Yankee candle. You know, yes. when, when they go into that room and then Jim just like turns and like, it just like looks at the camera and shakes his head like, oh God, no. Like, yeah, it's, you just know. I know. I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's 37 cents at once. Um, yeah, I uh, and I feel like that kind of lends to the the insanity of Jan, like in this in this little you know uh, toddler's room of a, of a room upstairs in this condo. She's just enclosed with all these candles, just smelling. Uh, I I love that image. Mm-hmm. And I love that she has the office. And the at-home office and, like, the candle room, too. Because, right, right. Oh, and as Michael great. says, never used, never used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. 
So then, uh, so then Andy and Angela show up, and uh, and Andy, of course, has brought a bouquet of flowers. Part of the reason of that was because they needed to more things to help hide that Angela Kinsey was pregnant. So, oh. um, and watching it, knowing that I was like, oh yeah, this is like. Do you remember in Will and Grace when when Deborah uh, Messing was pregnant and like all of the tricks they tried to do to hide it? It was. I think they eventually just like made a joke of it because it was mm-hmm. just so obvious. Like they just leaned sure, into yeah. it. Um, but it's, they, they hide it pretty well, but it's like knowing you can see the certain cuts that they're not showing her from like, you know, the chest down. Um, yes. But then, yeah, there's that great moment where then Andy, you know, uh, says, you know, one, you know, flower for my flower. <laughs> She's like, what am I going to do with this? What Which is true. What am this? I going to do with this? <laughs> yeah. That's what makes it even better. Oh, I love Angela. Um, and so that's when we find out that the, uh, the Asabuco just needs to braise for about three hours. And, um, unacceptable. and I think, right. I mean, have you, I, I don't think I've ever even had Asabuco. It's that like lamb. Do you yeah, know for what? For some like, reason it's, I feel like it's sort of, um, what, there's like a word like beef. Uh, I don't know. I'll it look feels it like cow to me. I don't know why. It's, uh, Asabuco is a specialty of Lombard cuisine of cross-cut veal shanks braised with vegetables, white wine, and broth. Wow. It's often garnished with gremolata and traditionally served with either risotto a la milanese or polenta, depending on the regional variation. Thank you, Wikipedia. There we um, go. There you go. Uh, well, I don't like veal because I don't like knowing how it was made. So Yeah, I don't, um, I, I don't yeah. eat veal either. It's baby cows. Um, I know. So, yeah, not to belabor that awful point we both knew. Um <laughs> But I also I love in this moment that we're, like the another layer that we will see I like, kind of play out again in baby shower is Jan's jealousy. And oh, it's perfect. It's like Jan is not only at odds with Michael, but now she's at odds with uh, with Pam as well. And like even when Pam brings the wine, she's like, oh, great. This will be great to cook with. Which is yeah, such it a, starts there. Yes, Such a dig. Yes. Yeah. She's like, Michael told me everything. And then like, let's just very calculating, just takes a sip of wine and just like stares at her. And I do love when Angela says, sometimes I do feel like she holds faxes back. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, I love oh, that. And so then great. like Pam kind of looks at the camera and is like, God, like she does want to like a great kind of like, uh, you know, a great gym cut to the camera that I loved. <laughs> yes. Um, and that also then makes me wonder what Michael has told Pam, told Jan about Pam, yes, I'm sure and about it's their relationship. More yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I do. I mean, not to tangent on Pam and Michael, but they also have a great relationship oh, throughout the series. I love Pam and Michael. Yeah, I mean the the art show is like you know I think a classic moment when he comes to see her show and yes. Um, yes. Oh, and then they hug. I mean that's one of my favorite moments from The Office. <laughs> I know it's so beautiful. Just the fact that she knows, like he goes crazy for when he wears those jeans too, and she. Puts oh, <laughs> he, oh yeah, and and I they have the montage the, like, of him. B-roll. Yeah, when yeah. he's dancing on the desk. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and when then when they go on the lecture circuit together, uh, that's a great. Bars. Yeah. Yeah. So the candy bars. Oh my god, that's so great. When Pam has to like take over the presentation. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I love Michael great. and Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, other nuances that I love that not necessarily Jan related, but I just had to mention something new I noticed this time is that when Michael takes Andy and Jim to the garage uh, to try to get them to buy into Serenity by Jan. Um, he has the Bowflex in there and like part of it still has the plastic wrapping on yes. it. 
And I, that is genius. That nuance of like, he's never used this. Never. Or maybe Jan even bought it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Like, I guess, I mean, women can use a Bowflex too, but I, I, yeah, but it's, it's perfect. Yeah. And it's, it's that piece of exercise equipment in the basement or in the garage that it's like, you had an idea of what this looked like. You saw yourself coming out here every night and working out and listening to music. And instead you're just like storing Christmas decorations on it. Like I, yes, uh, my parents, we all done that? yeah. Oh yeah. My favorite version of that, that my, my, my parents have had is my mom. I remember she bought this thing once, not probably, I don't know when, in, you know, the last 10, 15 years, but it was called a leg magic, <laughs> the leg magic. Leg magic. And it, yeah, well, it was, uh, and so, and it was like, um, I wish I could describe it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to Google it to see that if you Google leg magic, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, you'll see it. It's uh, I think that that that's going to be my gift. Yeah. Is anyone listening? Uh, Google the leg magic. I'm excited. To see <laughs> and it this. just it's just like this. You ha- you hold on to a handlebar and then you put your feet on these two little slippy things on a board at the bottom. And basically it's so you oh. can kind of like, you know, abduct your legs in and out. I see it. I see it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's I, the and that was something I think my mom probably used once for probably thirty five seconds and was like, oh fuck this, and yep. ever since you know, laundry has hung on it. So um, <laughs> that's what I equate with this Bowflex. But lovely. Uh, and so then the next stage of this awful dinner party is, I believe the uh, the not charades, but you know, uh, essentially taboo. Um, the, the guessing yes. game. Why am I blanking on what they would call this? I guess I would have called this like celebrity where you like, yeah, or, or salad ball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is yeah, one of my favorite party games. I love yes, same. that's, that's my go-to. If I have a party is like, let's play celebrity or salad ball or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and this of course is, is, uh, I, I think another infamous Michael moment of, of Michael getting too excited and, and doing that. Like my, my, my turn, my, my, my turn. And, and I, I mean, it's so cringy because you, you can picture like kids doing this at a party and, and Jan do it. Like, it's just so uncomfortable, like experiencing Jan going, Oh babe, come on. Like bring it down a notch. And, and it's that awful fight where he's like, no, I'm making people laugh. I saw Jim's face. Look at him. Jim is laughing. And I mean, it's, oh God, I, it's, it's so not crazy. that I've been in that situation, but I've been in situations that awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we forgot to mention too at the beginning of the episode, the lengths of, at which Michael went to make this dinner party possible of like, yeah, basically fooling everyone into thinking there's like a special project by corporate only to like ask Jim if he had plans and he's like nope because I'm here staying after work or whatever and then he gets on the he's like I just got off the horn with corporate I love that he calls it the horn the horn and he's like everyone go home enjoy your night and then he basically quarters Jim into the dinner party because he said you had no plans oh it's it's so desperate and you also like you then know that like Jan has also tasked him to find people like investors in her business. And so it's also yes. that of like, Michael is desperate to make plans. He's desperate to find business partners for Jan. Um, it's so, I mean, uh, it's so sad. And uh, I think maybe we, I think we probably skipped over one of the, 
also most important moments of the dinner party is when Michael introduces his flat screen TV to Jim and Pam. Oh, yes. The bloopers for that are great. Yeah. <laughs> that's They've talked about that, where it's like they couldn't get through that scene. Like when he pulls it out of the from the wall, and he's like, so when you have guests over, you can just pull it out and turn it, and it barely comes off the wall. And and that was like, I just kept watching like Melora Hardin's face or like trying to see the side of like um, – John Krasinski or uh, Jenna Fisher's faces to like see like, oh, you're barely holding it together right now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, we haven't even talked about Hunter. We haven't even talked about uh, the song I cannot Dance. get out of my head. Yeah. And the oh, yeah, no, dancing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so as they're all sitting around, Jan puts on, you know, the, the CD from Hunter. And one of the things I was reading about this moment was <clears throat> whether or not Michael knew that this song was about Jan or if he was just kind of like in denial. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, was he just bopping so along clearly. innocently? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just a matter of if, he, if that went over his head of just him being jealous that Jan's giving, you know, just obsessed with Hunter, like, and not obsessed with Michael. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As far as... Right. Because he says, like, Hunter was a terrible assistant, you know, right. just kind of digging him or, you know, jabbing. Right, right. Like, there's clearly some jealousy there. Um, but, yeah, that moment when then Jan starts dancing and then takes Jim's hand and starts, and all of that was improvised. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I love that. And especially the part where she then spins herself and he doesn't even get up from the couch. I love that. Yes. It's so longer. It's so much longer than it has to be. And that's yep. what makes it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I like, as far as just really, because this is like a, a slow crescendo of like passive aggressiveness into like the ultimate, like everyone just like saying, let's get the hell out of here is like when they talk about the sliding door because they don't talk about it at first, mm-hmm. but there is a story behind it. And I guess Michael just ran into it, right? Because it was clean. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> Yeah, so the story was that he had he heard the ice cream truck and he went went running and because the sliding glass door was cleaned, because Jan had cleaned it, he ran into it and broke it. And then Michael says, you know, kind of grasping at straws of like, sue me, I like ice cream. Well, no, don't sue me because she will. And uh, yes. yes, and then I I love this moment because then you know she's like. Uh, she says, oh yeah, I know I'm the devil. And then she puts these little devil ears up on her, you know, on her head. And that was improvised. But what I love about that is the shot. It almost seems like it's incredibly intentional because you can see the fireplace in the distance. And so, and she's wearing red. And so it's so perfect. Um, and and then says, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. He just like kind of, of course, Steve Carell being just the amazing improviser he is he just keeps going whether that was improvised or whatever like it was it was great yeah she like the what the thing i'd read she was saying like you can see in his response he starts laughing and says yeah you're you're the devil you're the devil i'm in hell i'm burning and then that's when angela says you shouldn't joke about that <laughs> yes oh god bless angela and then uh, i th- i guess after that that leads into like the final act of all this at the dinner table and i love this i love this kind of like act two like late act two introduction of dwight and his old babysitter yeah oh my gosh beth grant mm-hmm beth grant I, I love that we get beth grant in this episode too and like she is like just one of those actresses she was on the mindy project she's been in everything and everything. i'm just glad to see her um in this sort of like ensemble episode <laughs> But it's great. And she's like, I've, I've seen Beth Grant and probably in so many different things. And it's like, the woman never ages, but she's also never been younger than 40. You know? Like, yes. 
Beth yes. Grant has always been just variations of middle age to older Beth Grant. Yeah, she's like what Maggie Smith is for an old lady. Beth mm-hmm. Grant is for like a middle aged woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> middle upper um, age. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. So they show sure. up. They they show up bringing beets and wine glasses. Uh, yes. And then everybody sits down to dinner. And th- and a really interesting nuance here that I had not picked up or really appreciated was when Michael leaves, leans over to Pam and he's like, so I don't have any reason to know if this is true, but I think Jan might have poisoned the food. I think she might be trying to poison me. Yes. And then Jan comes in and places both Michael and Pam's yes, plates down at the same I time. That too. I love that. And and just like the anxiety of like, oh my God, I've been waiting to eat for hours. And mm-hmm. I think really the next thing that like pops up in my mind is like the beer sign being yeah, hung. The oh. neon beer sign. And so he uh, he brings, you know, he in, in a moment of, of standing up for himself, Michael brings in his glowing St. Pauli girl neon beer sign. Um, and then that sets jan off and her her uh, final revolt running to the stereo to put on hunter again so then eventually everything goes to shit they start yelling at each other she grabs one of his dundies and throws it into the television um and it's it's actually dwight's babysitter who's like all right i gotta get out of here like she's the one who kicks off like i don't know i gotta get out of here um and that was a two hundred dollar uh, plasma TV. That's why. Yeah, says. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Good luck covering that on your zero salary plus benefits, babe. <laughs> oh, babe, I can't stand babe. Babe. Oh yeah, there's so much babe. Um, do you and Keon have like a, a one of those like a? Uh... No, we don't. And I I feel like I've talked about it maybe here before too, but I I can't get into like terms of endearment or pet names. Like I just want to like die when I say it. I don't know why. Like I tried. I remember one time at the very beginning, he texted me, babe. And I like threw my phone across the room. It was just like, (laughs) I don't know why. It's just, um, I feel like if I eased into it, perhaps, but no, like if I have to call him, from like downstairs if i'm just like shouting up the stairs i'll just say his name i'll say hey keon mm-hmm. even though i know it feels a little weird and maybe to others yeah but like we we have never said babe right? wow. or any other thing yeah i don't know i don't know what yeah. that is it's probably just like me being weird but um yeah babe that's, yeah babe yeah well that's no, right i mean you. i yeah i don't think i've ever in, in the relationships i've had i don't there've been like I don't, there haven't been terms of endearment like that because it's just not I'd more likely like come up with a nickname versus like a a term of endearment, you know. Got it. Got it. Yes. Um. So. Uh. So yes. Then eventually everybody leaves. Michael leaves with Dwight. Uh. Jan is left to try to glue the Dundee back together. Um. Yes. And uh. And this of course is really the end of their relationship. Uh. And so. After this, I mean, Jan, I, I. I think she pops up in a couple more episodes, but then I think for the most part kind of drops off. And then we see her again. I think we see her again at the previous season finale when Kevin runs into her at the supermarket and discovers that she's pregnant. Um, And so then in season five, episode four, that's when we see Jan again showing up for the baby shower that Michael's Mm -hmm. throwing for her in the office. Um, and Michael's expectation, of course, is that Jan is due to give birth at any point. And so, uh, when she shows up with a stroller with a baby that has, um, already sort of started to form itself, like this isn't fresh out of the womb. This baby's been around for a few weeks. Yeah. As turd. Um, as turd. Yes. 
bastard. I, I, I love this episode a lot. Too. I mean, first, this is the Where's My Golden Shower, Phyllis, which is also mm-hmm. a great blooper. Um, I also love the line, if a baby were president, there would be no taxes. There would be no war. <laughs> He's like, there right. would actually be no government. It would actually be pretty bad. Yeah. It could actually be pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, we uh, we got a little taste of that. So how prophetic, yes. Michael. Uh, and so I, I think that this version of Jan, because later in the, we do see Jan later in the series. And I think in general, the series gets a little more cartoonish towards the end. And I think her character gets a little more cartoonish. Like, yeah. She, like, when we see her in, like, season eight or nine, she's um, she's got a new job, and she's the head of some other company that they're trying to do business with, like, the White Pages or something. And uh, and then in order to kind of, like, get her to, like, sign on and do business with them, they, like, give her one of the interns to be her, like, personal liaison, like, personal oh, concubine, that... you know, if you will. I don't know if that's yes. a word, that term's appropriate. Sure, but, sure, sure. uh it's just like okay, that's that's that a choice. A little, yeah, yeah, that's a big um, choice. But the reason I chose this episode is because we get to see. Not only do we get to see Holly, who I Ugh. adore, played by the indomitable Amy Ryan, but we get to see a fabulous interaction between Jan and Holly that mm. I. Uh, and I and and also we get to see Jan's jealousy about Holly. Like I think that was an interesting nuance is seeing that transfer from Pam to now realizing like oh Holly's a threat. Michael's not even in her life anymore. But I love that Jan still has that like seeing him with someone else. She still has feelings, you know. Yeah, I I mean obviously we're Team Holly too, and I just I I got so mad at Jan at the end of this episode because she knows she knows how much of an influence she probably or at least she thought uh, would still like affect Michael and his choices of like dating women too, and the fact that she just says like don't date Holly, <laughs> I wanted to like throw I wanted to throw a dundee at her, I was right? just like Jan, don't fuck this up because Michael actually could have happiness and you're just. I don't know. I guess je- a jealous in a way. That's that's kind of the only real thing I could think of. But um, oh god, Amy Ryan as Holly is just she's so good and just like the, the fact that she's like being a goon around Jan and Jan is just being like she's not having any of it. Like mm-hmm. she, baby's on a coffee break or the other thing too. It's she doesn't appreciate Holly, and um, I don't like that. <laughs> and I think she recognizes what I loved about there was that. So Jan eventually, you know, they have the baby shower. Jan does a, a long rendition of Son of a Preacher Man, uh, which <laughs> oh, yes. I and I was like, I, I think, yeah, I was going to say, like, this felt to me like someone with a great voice who was like choosing a couple wrong notes on purpose. There were yeah, a few moments where I was on... like, oh, yeah. She, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're the singer. So actually you should speak to that more <laughs> like, than I let should. Let me jump in here. Yeah. Um, no, uh, she has been on Broadway. She was a Roxy Hart replacement for about like three months. Really? Like 2000. I think I had it in my notes here. Uh, yeah. December 29th, 2008 to February 12th, 2009. She played Roxy Hart on Broadway. Isn't that huh. cool? I love that. I totally I, love. She's such a Roxy Hart. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I've I, for so long I've been like influenced just by like seeing her as Jan, and I'm like, oh yeah, you do like other things. You're not just because she like. I feel like if I was typecasting someone to pay, play like an icy personality, like she has that look down. She has like yes, you see it in the, the dinner party. Yeah. yeah, the eyebrows and just like the cold stares and like she's so good at just being that like you know, that, that evil ice princess that, mm-hmm. um, it's fun to think of her in other roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but I I do love in the baby shower. I think, you know, they they have the baby shower, and then she she goes and takes a nap on the couch, you know, using the tablecloth as a blanket, <laughs> and then she wakes up and Holly's standing there, and this little interaction. I mean, Holly is like she's like you know where's Astrid? She's like oh she's on a sales call. Wow, more paper and. <laughs> And I think in that moment, I mean, Holly, it, we've already, we already kind of know that Holly is like this. Holly is Michael's, you know, yes. soulmate. But um, I like that this is where Jan is realizing, oh, Holly's a threat. And I think actually maybe it's even earlier in the episode. I think Jan, there's a moment as they're going into the conference room for the, for the shower, there's a moment of Michael and Holly interacting and you see Jan watching them from the conference room and then Michael seeing her and then being like, oh, I have to be mean to Holly. Yeah, um, he's like, I'm fine, weirdo. Weirdo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, later when he's like, she smells, I was just talking to Holly about her hygiene. She smells like old tomatoes and dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like he, he like, improv. I feel like there were multiple takes, and each time he said different things of what she smelled like. I, he's I like, would love to see that, yes. She smells like old tomatoes. <laughs> and, and diapers. Yeah. And diapers, yeah. <laughs> um. And so, yeah, then uh, they have yeah, that final interaction where she says, you know, there's one thing you can do for me. Don't date Holly. And uh, and then I think that's really there's a there's a sort of moment of realization after she leaves of Michael uh, kind of hearing that and hearing that that's the call to do the, the exact opposite. And mm-hmm. that's when we get to this fabulous moment between Michael and Holly. Oh, God, I just love it. Because, I mean, we talked about it earlier, too. Like, Michael realizes when he holds Astrid that he doesn't feel... Because he loves kids. And I love that Michael loves kids. Oh, I just yeah. love that whole montage of him, like, just holding... I mean, granted, it is, like, so weird. And no human should ever do that. Just, like, walk up to people. and right. like, the, But, like, the B-roll that they have is, like, incredible. Like, holding a baby while the mom's in the bathroom. Um, yeah. And, like, babies <laughs> apparently, like, love him. Like, I love that yeah. nuance that, like, oh, that babies really baby. like him. Yeah. Yes. And then when he re- he realizes that it's like, you know, in the span of like two minutes of the show, too, he realizes that like, I don't know, it, it kind of reminds me of like Anna in Pen15 when he she doesn't hear the music when What's-His-Face like walks by, the voice she mm-hmm. has a crush on. It's yeah. just like the music's being turned down and turned down and eventually it just like goes away too. And that's kind of, as soon as well, she that's... said... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. And that, that parallel, that's really interesting of, of, yeah, seeing Anna fall out of love with, I think Brent, I think was the name. Yeah. Oh, there's Brent and then there's, um, oh, uh, something, something, a single. Alex Nolan. Alex Nolan. Alex. Single. Alex. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like, just with Jan saying don't date Holly is kind of the, the thing that Michael needed to hear in order to get over Jan. And what a weird yeah. way to like, what a great way to show that too, because you could see it on his face too. And then he just goes back up and he realizes how special Holly is in that moment. And it's, oh, it's so lovely. Yeah. And like, it's such a great scene. He, he comes up to her and she's, you know, in the annex and she says, are you going to, you gonna be mean to me again? And he just hugs her. He just puts his arms around her and just hugs her, just holds her. And then and we're really kind of seeing her reaction. And then she, and they just hold this hug for a while. And, I mean, I I think they both get choked up. I know she does. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, he, he, you know, eventually pulls her and he's like, so do you want to go out? And she kind of like, you know, you can see she's got tears in her eyes and she's kind of like pulling herself together. She's like, yeah, yeah. And then he just like walks away. And it's, I think it's the nuance of the fact that she's 
that she has tears in her eyes. I think that is so like that just tells me so much about Holly and about the two of them. Like I just love that that happened. Yeah, because she has every right to kind of be like, what the hell? Like you took it a little bit too far today. Even though he gave her mm-hmm. a warning, like it still hurts. Yeah, um, yeah. The whole situation is not great. So the fact that she kind of took it with a little bit of humor, like you're going to make fun of me again, like and had a mm-hmm. little bit of a smirk. Um, I, there are arguments like this that are solved like that. You know, not the big ones where you actually do need to talk it out. But like, I think he said everything that he needed to say with that hug. Uh, yeah, it's like an, it's I agree. an apology and it's just like a... Yeah. An apology hug. Yeah. An apology hug. And I mean, I could go on and on about Michael and Holly. It's, uh, I I love that relationship. I I remember when, like, watching those episodes when she, you know, first, you know, joined the office and seeing them connect in that moment where, you know, I think she's, uh, like, taking apart her chair or something. And I think he says something in, like, a Yoda voice. And then (laughs) you think, oh, God, Michael's done it. And then she responds, like, "Um, pass Kirby, peace, please, or something like that. (laughs) And you're like, oh. And then, and I think the shot, the next shot is of him, like, having this, like, wide-eyed, like, moment of, like, what? And I felt the same way of, like, oh, my God. It's not going to be, like the new HR director is put off by Michael's advances. Like she's just as weird as he is. I love that. It's so satisfying to see. Yeah. Um, And I feel like, like female characters so rarely get to be that where they're, they are the the funny one or the weird one in the room and are still like a valid, like, you know, attractive human being, you know? Yes. Uh, Yes. You don't get to be both, you know? And I, I just think Holly is, is so unique and that it's like, yeah, she's a weirdo, but she's also like a real human being and she has her shit together, you know? Exactly. And that's like, uh, thanks to Amy Ryan and the writing, it's like the perfect combo. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that Amy Ryan was in this. I was like, ugh, I'll watch her in anything. Yes. I just want to mention real quick for this episode too, Dwight in the stroller really like made me laugh hard. Like oh. just that whole journey. <laughs> There's just, something. Like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. There's something like watching a stroller, like fall down the stairs or, or, yes. or there's something that there's this like slapstick quality about a stroller that yeah, obviously with no baby in it, but you know. yeah, the watermelon. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Well, I mean, you know, there's so much more to say, but that's why we have the Best Supporting After Show, where yeah. we are going to say even more, not necessarily about The Office, but, yeah, uh, about, yeah. yeah, it could come up. There's, you know, the rules <laughs> are there are no rules. Um, yes. But for now, that, I think, is the sum total of our discussion about Jan Levinson no longer Gould from The Office. Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad that you brought th- I'm glad that I've been sort of reintroduced to the office um i will see where this goes because yeah. i keon keon has never made his way through ever he does not he's one really? of the people in the world that just does not get it like you know when people don't like seinfeld or like mm-hmm. certain brands of humor um i think that he can be uh swayed so maybe that's my new challenge yeah i mean i feel like you know i mean i used to think that season one was kind of a rough intro like kind of how we've talked about like parks and rec season one but season yeah. one of the office is great oh it's and great. like yeah it just keeps getting better if anything it's just that michael is even more unlikable in season one but yeah if you can kind of set that aside then you'll be okay but i think keon has trouble like compartmentalizing you know it's just a tv show and yeah he's annoying but he's also really lovable you got to get to those moments yeah you i think it's it in the office it's not really if i remember it's not really until the season two halloween episode 
where we see at the very end Michael like alone in his condo and then like trick-or-treaters show up and he like opens the bag and they oh, spill yeah. everywhere and, he, and he's, he's like so they're all for excited. you and he's so excited and he's so sweet where you're like you because he really like fucks up that day and yes I feel like that is the first time you start to see like oh okay I see the softer side of Michael and so you just kind of have to get to that point yeah you hear that Keon you hear Buckle that Keon up. I'm speaking to you yeah <laughs> Uh, well, on that note, uh, yes, we can be played off. We're being played off. Um, so where, other than the Best Supporting After Show, where can folks find more of you? Yeah, they can find me every Tuesday at the Good Vanilla Podcast, which is a Barefoot Contessa celebration podcast. Um, starting to have guests. I think I'm going to have Robbie Roselle. He's going to be my first oh, guest. Oh, fabulous. He a, yeah, he's a Barefoot Contessa um, fanatic. Um, so I'm super excited about that. We picked a good episode that's coming next week. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you, Hal? Well, you can, of course, find more of me on All Right, Mary or on In the Details, a celebration of nuance. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And, of course, you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA Pod at gmail.com. Certainly join us uh, on Friday uh, for our after show. We have all kinds of fun things to talk about, including the SAG nominations, some uh, BSAs of the week. And, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows what else will happen? Um, It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Well, till then, folks, I think all I have left to say is uh, that, well, that that is... uh, Oh, nope, I fucked it up. Uh, as they say, is... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, that is one of my favorites. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs>